For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Secrets of Biblical Hebrew. This is part two of the series. Next, we're going to examine Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 in the Hebrew. And so, in Hebrew, the first word of Leviticus 1.1 is Vayikra. And this is the Hebrew name for this book of the Bible. Vayikra means, and he called. In a Torah scroll, the first word, Vayikra, contains a small aleph at the end of the word. And what I'm explaining now is in the book by Grant Luton in his own words on pages 243 and 244. So if you separate that small aleph from the four Hebrew letters which precede it, we can construct the phrase vayik and then the aleph, or and he esteemed or honored, and then the small aleph. And so you can read this by making and taking the word and separating the first four letters from the aleph that you can render it translated as he esteemed or honored and then the small aleph. And this is a spiritual picture of Yeshua because Paul wrote of Yeshua in the book of Philippians who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing. So then Given that the Aleph represents God or God's divine image and that Yeshua is the image of the invisible God, the small Aleph that we find in the Torah scroll to Leviticus in chapter 1, verse 1, we can ask the question that even though that the Aleph is small, in the Torah scroll, the Aleph is elevated when you write out the letters. And so we can ask the question, given that it's small, why is it elevated? So we just explained how the small Aleph can represent Yeshua's humility, but also from his obedience, he was exalted. And Paul goes on to say in Philippians in chapter 2, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. And so the next thing that we're going to see is the Hebrew word aron, which means ark, 
that in the Hebrew, it also begins with an Aleph. So we're going to give you an explanation of the association of the Ark to the Aleph. And this is taken from the book by Grant Luton in his own words on pages 249. And so he explains that the Hebrew word for Ark, Aron, begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph. And like the Ark itself, the Aleph represents the God of Israel or his presence. And so in the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness, that is sometimes called the Tabernacle of Moses, the Ark contained three objects. The stone tablets upon which God inscribed the Ten Commandments, a bowl of manna, and Aaron's staff which blossomed. These three objects were reminders of God's righteousness, God's provision, and God's guidance, respectively. The stone tablets were placed in the ark after the Israelites rejected his authority by committing idolatry with the golden calf, thus depicting their rejection of God's righteous laws. The manna was placed in the ark after the people complained of not having enough variety in their diet, thus depicting their rejection of God's provision. Aaron's rod was placed in the ark after the people complained about God's choice of Moses and Aaron as Israel's leaders, thus symbolizing their rejection of God's guidance. And now, from Grant Luton's book, in his own words, on page 19, he explains that if we take that first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph, that if we look at it, the first letter, the Aleph, when you write it in Hebrew, as we've seen, the Aleph represents the God of Israel and the second letter, Lamed, and Lamed means to learn. And then the last letter, the Pei, means mouth. So if we take the three Hebrew letters that spell Aleph, it will teach us the following. Aleph, we must meet the Lord, Lamed, learn from him, and then Pei, speak of him. So that is a detailed explanation and understanding of the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph. Next, we're going to look at the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is the Beit. And as explained in the book, Inner Meanings of the Hebrew Letters by Robert Harmlich on page 31, he explains that the revealed meaning of Bet is bait, which means a dwelling place, a house, or a home. And so bet or bait in Hebrew means a house. And bet or bait is associated with a house, a family, a tribe, a nation, or temple. And this is explained in the book Messiah in the Hebrew alphabet by Dick Mills and David Michael on page 6. So let's see that Yeshua's family is the house of Jacob. We can see this from Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, as it is written, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So who consisted of the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai? Well, 
It was the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and came out of Egypt. And so who does the Bible call the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost? They are referred to as the mixed multitude. We can see this in Exodus in chapter 12, verses 37 and 38. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, and a mixed multitude went up with them. And so who then is the house of Jacob that was at Mount Sinai? It consisted of the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, as well as the mixed multitude. But how do the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is the mixed multitude, how do they become a part of the house of Jacob? Well, the Torah refers to them primarily as being strangers, and they're also regarded as being sojourners. They were adopted or they were grafted in to the family of Jacob. So we can see as well how Yeshua's family is the house of Jacob. So he has a literal house of Jacob who was at Mount Sinai, but in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, Yeshua's family is the redeemed or the saved house of Jacob. And we're told in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, that he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So who is Yeshua got to rule and reign over forever? The house of Jacob. Now, in the Hebrew language, grammatically, the Hebrew letter bet, when it is at the front of a word, can mean in, by, or among. And this is explained in the book, The Inner Meaning of Hebrew Letters, on page 33. And so then, if we look at the first word of the Bible, and it's translated in English as in the beginning, but in Hebrew, it's one word. It's breshit. And if we look at the first word of the Bible, breshit, in a Torah scroll, we will discover that the first letter of the first word of the Bible, that is the bet, that it is enlarged. And so that would cause us to ask the question, why is the first letter of the first word of the Bible enlarged or an abnormal size in a Torah scroll? And this thought is explained in the inner meaning of Hebrew letters on page 39. Well, bet or bait means a house. And the message that's being communicated to us is the reason why the God of Israel created the heavens and the earth is that he wanted a dwelling place in the earth. So we can see how the God of Israel has desired to dwell with his people, as we can see in Exodus in chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, as it is written, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell 
among them. This word dwell is the Hebrew word shekan. According to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. Now, in the book, The Inner Meaning of the Hebrew Letters, on page 33, explaining the verse, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell within them, that one of the most prominent Jewish rabbis of the Middle Ages, Rashi, comments that make me a sanctuary means make for my name a sanctuary, a house of holiness. Notice that the ending phrase is dwell with them and not dwell in it. This can be interpreted to mean that God desires to dwell in each and every one of his people. And so the dwelling presence of the God of Israel is his glory. We can see this in Exodus chapter 24, verse 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and a cloud covered it six days. So the word abode is the Strong's number 7931 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It's the Hebrew word shakan. It means to settle down, abide, dwell, or reside. So the glory of the Lord resided there on Mount Sinai. So the dwelling presence of the God of Israel is his glory. In Exodus chapter 40 verse 34 it is written, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now it is explained to us in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 that the heavenly tabernacle is a blueprint or a shadow of the heavenly tabernacle as it is written who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see says he that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you in the mount and so the tabernacle in the wilderness is a blueprint of the heavenly tabernacle and it was the glory of the Lord that dwelt with the nation of Israel when the tabernacle was completed. And Yeshua is the glory of the Lord, and his light lights the New Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, In the city, that is the New Jerusalem, had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The temple is the house of Yeshua. In Matthew chapter 21, in verses 12 and 13, it is written, And Yeshua went into the temple of God, and he said, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. He was quoting from Isaiah in chapter 56, verse 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And Yeshua's dwelling presence is his glory. In Ezekiel, in chapter 43, verse 5 and verse 7, it is written, So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court of the temple. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And then in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 7, he said to me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And so Yeshua dwells with his people. We can see this in 
John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so Yeshua is the Word of God, Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 23, Yeshua answered and said to them, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come, and we will make our dwelling presence. We will make our abode with him. Believers in Yeshua are his house. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Messiah, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? And then we're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also, as lively stones, you're built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua HaMashiach. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We can also see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We can see the same thought that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. And what agreement has Messiah with Belial or Baal? Or what part has he that believes within infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And so we gave you these different examples because we, in looking at the Hebrew letter Bet, which is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, that Bet or Bait, which means house, is associated with a house, a family, a tribe, nation, and temple. And these things, as we have shown you, are associated and connected with the biblical family of Yeshua the Messiah. So he had a literal house of Jacob at Mount Sinai, but in the New Covenant, Yeshua rules and reigns over the redeemed house of Jacob, and we are his house, and our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and as 
the instruction was in Exodus chapter 25 verses 8 and 9 that the God of Israel wants us to make him a sanctuary. That's our body. That's our lives so that he will come and dwell with us. But we have to keep the unclean separated from our lives, from our temples. So next, we're going to look at the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that's the Hebrew letter Gimel. And the associated noun to Gimel is Gamal, and Gamal means a camel. So Gimel is associated through the noun Gamal to a camel. So then we're going to look at the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is the letter Dalit. And from the book, The Inner Meaning of Hebrew Letters, on page 57, it explains that Dalit represents or is associated with a door. So the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Dalit, which is pronounced Dalit, that it is a cognate with the word Delet. And Delet means door, gate, portal, or entrance. So the fourth letter, the Dalit, is associated with a door, a pathway, or an entrance. Now, the Hebrew word for a Jew is Yehuda. And if you look at the spelling of Jew, Yehuda, in Hebrew, it contains the four-letter sacred name of the God of Israel, yod Hey vav Hey, plus the Hebrew letter, Dalit. And so, given that Dalit means a door, we can see that a Jew means a door of the God of Israel. And Yeshua himself in John chapter 10, verse 11 and verse 14 says, He is the door. So the God of Israel is our door. That's Yeshua HaMashiach. So Dalit is also associated with humility and poverty. So the word Dalit is constructed of the word Dal with the letter Kav added at the end. Dal means a pauper or poverty. And Yeshua made of himself no reputation. And compared to him being in his glory in heaven when he came to the earth, he humbled himself and compared to his status in the heavenlies where he is glorified, he lowered himself to come to this earth, to live on this earth, to perform his work of redemption. And so we're told about Yeshua and his earthly ministry that he was despised and rejected of men in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 and verse 3. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is Yeshua the Messiah. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. We can see how Yeshua had an attitude of being meek and humble. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it was prophesied of 
Yeshua. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon the colt, the foal of a donkey. And Yeshua explains John chapter 10 verse 7 and John chapter 10 verse 9 that he is the door. Now earlier when I made reference to John chapter 10 verse 11 and verse 14 there Yeshua said that he is the good shepherd. Well that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject secrets of biblical Hebrew. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.